Hey everyone, this is Josh from the Solopreneur Grind podcast for episode 88, and I am really happy to be joined by Chris Didian. Chris, thanks so much for coming on the show today. Thank you very much, Josh, for having me. Really excited. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm super excited, especially with COVID. I think a lot of the things that I'm curious to ask you about and areas that you work in are, are going to be really interesting for a lot of our listeners and our viewers. But firstly, can you tell everybody a little bit more about yourself and what you're kind of focused on these days? Absolutely. So uh, I'm a professional speaker, peak performance, business and life coach and a learning disability advocate. So most of my days are run through either giving keynotes, uh, speeches to Fortune 500 companies, to organizations, so on and so forth, and uh, working with my one-on-one coaching uh, clients or group coaching, and then everything else that has to do with creating my content and playing the role of the CEO of Dedian Enterprises. So that's how uh, my day is essentially uh, separated within the week, essentially. Awesome. And I definitely want to dig into... There's a few pieces there that are super interesting to me, but Chris, can you take us back to closer to the start of your career? Maybe, you know, whether it was uh, after high school, during high school, you know, did you go to university? Did you go to college? And and what was the first, uh, first step in your career? Awesome. So definitely going to take you guys on a little roller coaster ride because I I did not have a normal uh, start to my entrepreneurial journey. Far from it. So essentially, when I finished high school, uh, I wanted to become a fireman. That's what I kind of went towards. And there's a whole story behind that as well. Got into it, loved it. And as I was into that uh, field, I realized that it wasn't necessarily my calling. My calling mm-hmm. was to be an entrepreneur. So from there, understanding that my calling was for, to be an entrepreneur, slowly, slowly, I found ways to go into that. And the best way that I found to go into that was being a real estate broker, which I went in. I loved. It was an amazing school to learn how to be an entrepreneur, how to run a business, how to work in sales, how to work with clients, so on and so forth. And as a young uh, real estate broker, I was succeeding very well in my in my area, which I'm from Montreal, Canada. And uh, I had the opportunity to go speak at an event. And the reason why I had this opportunity is because I'm dyslexic. So for people who don't know what dyslexia is, it's a learning disability that has to do with uh, uh, reading and writing. So they wanted me to come and speak and talk about how I'm thriving as a dyslexic entrepreneur, especially being in a field that has a lot of reading and writing. Like if Mm -hmm. you're a real estate broker, you're reading documents, you're filling out contracts. There's a lot of things that have to do with reading and writing, which is by far my my greatest uh, difficulty. So once I went on this stage, my my reason of being really presented itself, like almost like an omen in life. I got on the stage and initially they told me it's going to be a couple hundred people. Uh, I had never done a speech. So just that in itself was huge. I go on the stage, I get into the place and I realize it's not a couple of hundred people. We're talking about it. There's like over a thousand people in this room. Mm -hmm. So I start kind of freaking out in a certain sense. I'm like, oh my God, like you start getting nervous and all that. But the moment I went on stage, I realized that this was my life calling, which is to bring value to others, to teach others in different formats. From there, my coach that I had at that point had saw that that speech and he's like, Chris, you hired me to make you become a peak performing uh, real estate broker. He's like, that's not what we're going to do. He's like, you're meant to be a world class speaker and coach. And at that point, when he told me that, I had no idea. I'm like, hey, can I even make a career as a speaker? Is that a thing? I'm like, is what's up with the coaching? I had no idea with that. And then mm-hmm. gradually transitioned towards my life's calling. And now I'm blessed to do this for the last several years that I've been doing this, essentially. Right. That's incredible. I, I want to go back quickly to, we'll call it the end of the 
uh, firefighting portion. Yeah. You said that you kind of found your, your calling as an entrepreneur. Yeah. How did you find that out? And, and the reason why I ask is, you know, we have a lot of people and listeners, and, you know, who are nine to fivers or maybe they're just not happy with what they're doing. And, you know, you're, we're all told, find your passion, find your calling, et cetera, et cetera. But sometimes it doesn't drop into your lap, right? It doesn't. So how did that hit you? Or were you doing anything actively to try and like find your calling? Yes, uh, uh, Josh, I love that question. So there's two, two things to that. You said it doesn't fall actively on your lap and you're 100% right. But at the same time, it kind of does. Now, what do I mean by this? You have to listen to your intuition. It's like this gut feeling. You already know what you should be doing. Unfortunately, that thing might scare you. That could be starting a business. That could be quitting your job. That could be going towards the unknown. But because it's unknown, as human beings, we're afraid of it. So we repress that. And we repress it and call it out of practicality. Oh, okay, I'm doing this because I have bills to pay. I have kids. I just uh, It's too risky. The market's not good. Oh my God, COVID hit. So on and so forth. So we repress it. But you know what you should be doing. Once you allow that reason of being within you to kind of come about and play within that light that I call that reason of being, then your life takes a different turn. So what you have to do is really take that leap of faith. People know what it is. So just the main thing is going to be one word. It's clarity. Have massive clarity of who you are. And if you're still lost within that process, I'm definitely going to invite you guys to get into personal development, read a book, get some Mm -hmm. concepts, listen to amazing podcasts like this, go to seminars, go to events, rub shoulders with other successful people. Then you'll figure out slowly, slowly who you are as a person. Once you have that clarity, your life has been preparing you for what you're supposed to be your whole life. But once you're there, then you're able to see what was happening back in the day that got you prepared for this. Like Mm -hmm. Steve Jobs says, you can't connect the dots looking forward. You can only connect them looking backwards. Mm. So that's the way I would kind of explain that. Yeah, no, it's a great explanation. Makes a lot of sense. And so how did you decide you figured out entrepreneurship and then what was it that actually brought you to becoming a real estate agent, right? Because there is a million and one ways to become an entrepreneur. And the other thing I'd like to know is what do you think led to that success, right? You're a firefighter one day next day you're a real estate broker you know a lot of sales interpersonal skills how did that translate yeah yeah so a lot of this there's many factors from where you've grown up your parents your environment what you learn and a lot of it has to do with my dyslexia in itself Hmm. so as a young kid i was getting ready to be an entrepreneur without even knowing when the teacher used to come into the classroom and say kids get in teams of even before she finished the word three, I had my head up and I was looking in the classroom, who reads the best, who writes the best, let's put a team together, let me delegate the work and get the grade together. That's delegation 101, very important mm-hmm. for entrepreneurship. When I was in college and failing my grades, I used to go to see the professor afterwards, I used to negotiate my grade up, oh no, that's not what I meant, this is what I meant. Mm-hmm. Negotiation 101, I didn't even know it, but back then I was getting ready to be an entrepreneur. So I saw as I was getting older, that I have so many already skills and attributes to be a great entrepreneur. So all I had to do is refine it and find the industry that's going to be the best suited for me. So the reason why I went into real estate is actually I knew that one of the greatest ways to, to, to create like just wealth and have something that's structured in a way that you know that whatever happens in life, people are going to need a roof over their head is real estate. There was something that attracted me to real estate. So that's how I got into it. I didn't, mm-hmm. I knew that I wasn't going to be a broker my whole life, but I'm like, let me just go dabble into that. So that's how I decided to get into uh, brokerage. And the second part to your question is how I succeeded within that. 
Once again, there's a correlation with my dyslexia. Because I failed so much in life as a young man, especially in the education system that we're given, which is not very intuitive for people that have reading disabilities, I was relentless. I've always understood failure is what? It's when you quit. So if you fall down and you just get up, you're never going to be a failure because you're always going to go forward. So mm -hmm. I understood that aspect and I was able to translate that, what I've learned as a dyslexic a young man into my entrepreneurial journey. The first year and a half of being a broker, I literally play, paid to be a broker. Like it didn't make sense. Mm -hmm. But then because I was relentless, at a certain point it blew up. So that's how I would kind of answer that question. Right. No, it, it's, it's a great answer and it, it brings up some interesting points. What would you say to someone who maybe through their upbringing or early part of their career did not we'll call it work that failure muscle, right? Because so I've, I've as well, right, been an entrepreneur for more than a couple of years now. And you're 100% right, you, you just kind of get used to some of the every day or every other week or every other month failures. And eventually, it doesn't even really affect you all that much. But the reality is a lot of people starting, especially if you come from a good family, come, you know, have a pretty, you know, successful, you were really good at school, you know what I mean, you've, you've got a few promotions. Is there a way that we can work that muscle and, and prepare for the, the harsh reality that is entrepreneurship? Yes. And then there's going to be a boring answer, but it's practice. <laughs> it's as simple as that. Practice, yeah. put in the reps. It's not like, hey, the difficulties are getting less difficult. It's that you're getting stronger. Mm -hmm. You're able, you have reference to that difficulty that you have done before. So like, hey, if I felt this before and I've succeeded and I've went through it, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go through this one as well. So it's right. once again, understanding and that perception of what do I need to learn within this difficulty. So once you position yourself of, hey, I'm trying to learn something from this situation. Like if life is giving you a difficulty, it's trying mm -hmm. to teach you something. So it's once you understand that different perspective and understand difficulty as, oh, why is it happening to me? No, understand that, hey, what is life trying to teach me? And then you look at it and approach difficulty in a different way. You don't see it as something negative. Then you right. start calling in difficulty in a certain sense. You're like, hey, give me challenges. The more challenges you give me, you're just preparing me to the next level. So it's really about your perception and the practice, the repetitions that you put into play. Yeah, it's pretty interesting as you go through life that you kind of see almost anything you can improve at with reps, right? The more you do it, the more confident you become, the more comfortable you yes. are with them. So totally, totally agree there. And so, Josh, let me, sorry, yeah. let me just jump in, add one thing, the reps and then learning from it. Because there's a lot of people that I coach and they go through reps. They've been doing it for years. Like, oh, it's not working. It's not working. But they're repeating the same mistakes. Because right. the thing that the life is giving them, they're not taking a step back and trying to learn from that situation. Like in our education system, they give us the lesson, then the exam. In life, it's the complete opposite. You get the exam first, but then the lesson is for you to sit down and look at, hey, what did I learn from this? But if you're not doing the lesson part, you're going to make the same mistakes over and over again. And then you're like, hey, I'm working hard, but it's not happening. Yeah, it's because you're not learning from your mistakes, right? So yeah. those two things are definitely very correlated. Yeah, no, that's that's a huge, that's a great point to add. So Chris, I want to talk about what, what sounds like a maybe the biggest inflection point in your career, which is the speech that you were talking about. But I'd love to talk a little bit about what led up to it, right? Because obviously you don't get invited to speak in front of thousands of people for no reason. And I, I'd love to hear how, you know, why was it that a real estate agent was invited to speak? What was the talk about? You know, what was the event? What, what was behind it? 
and you know love to learn a little bit more about that the other thing i want to ask about and maybe we can just treat these as two separate questions you said your your coach was there right yeah. so can you talk a little bit about where you were professionally you know what kind of coach was it had you been working with him or her for a while is that something you recommend you, you can handle both or one of those and if you forget the other i'll remind you so awesome once again spot on with both questions over there and i'll answer it as you asked it so the first one is how did that speaking opportunity come about? And actually how it came about was the speech therapist that used to follow me in high school called me to ask me a question about real estate. She wanted to sell her mother's property. So we were speaking for a few minutes about that. And then afterwards she's like, Chris, how's everything going with you? And I just went on a rant. I'm like, everything's going great. I was in my mid twenties. I was killing it as a broker, making like so much money. Like everything was going great in this, in the sense of what society is like, success would tell us after going on that little rant she's like wow chris that's amazing she's like i'm the keynote speaker at this event put together by the learning disability institute of quebec and he's like i would love for you to come and talk about how you're succeeding as a dyslexic entrepreneur so that's how it started off and oddly enough josh the same day that she asked me that the same evening she she sent me an email saying in the subject letter in big caps chris i don't think you should do this speech after i agreed upon it on the phone and she was telling me this out of pure love because she wanted to protect me. And what she said, she's like, there's still a lot of people that have a negative perception of dyslexia and you're a new entrepreneur. I don't want you to lose potential business. Now, I remember seeing this the same evening I wrote back an email to her. And this is Friday evening. And I'm like, hey, I still think I should do the speech. I'll call you Monday and talk about it. Why? Monday comes around, give her a call. Her name is Bridget. And I'm like, Bridget, listen, I'm like, if I am not on that stage giving that speech, I'm not helping the generation of kids that are on the school benches right now with learning disability. I'm not helping my future generation. I'm not helping my future kids that will potentially have learning disabilities. I'll be somebody fake. I'm like, I don't wanna be somebody fake. I'm like, if people see that in a negative way, they don't wanna work with me, those are not clients that I wanna work with either. Mm -hmm. And she's like, Chris, I 100% agree with you. I just wanted to come from you and all that. So that's how that kind of came about and that aspect happened. So that's the first part of the question. And that was very much of an infliction point, like you mentioned, it really starter to that whole process. Now, the second part to this, the coach aspect. So at that point in my mid twenties, like I said, been doing quite well as an entrepreneur, I understood that personal development was a huge part of success, right? And the reason why that went is that I was always very good in sports. And I've always played somewhat of like high level in sports, but I've never been the fastest. I've never been the strongest. I've never been the most skilled, but I've always been the top ones. And I wondered why that was. And I realized that I was the most coachable. So when that realization happened, I'm like, hey, I'm, I'm working in business now. And I'm like, I don't have a business coach. How, that doesn't make sense. I need somebody that has put in the reps, that has done certain things that could guide me in some way, shape or form. So once I looked into that, got a coach, his name is Trevor, which I still work with him. I actually do, we're actually business partners in so many ventures right now. Hmm. And I hired him, like I said, for him to teach me to become a top performing real estate broker. That was the goal at that point. And I had worked with him for two weeks. That speech that came about was literally the third week. And that speech was in French because I'm, um, like I said, in Montreal, and Montreal, we speak French as well. And my coach is from Vancouver, Anglo part of uh, Canada. And after he watched that speech, not understanding a lick of French, he just saw my body language. He saw the reception of the crowd. He saw the, how the people are laughing, crying, so on and so forth. He told me during the third time that we were speaking together on a coaching call, he's like, Chris, I'm gonna, we're going to switch this up. You're going to become a talk, uh, top uh, speaker and a coach. So that's how that infliction hmm. point happened. 
And I'm extremely blessed for both of those events in my life, essentially. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And so take us through the next steps. He, he tells you this. Do you do you drop real estate the next day? Like like what, what were the next maybe like two, three months like? Yeah. So first and foremost, like anything, fear, mm-hmm. major fear that comes to play and fear that's not real. It's self-inflicted. It's self-created. It's Christopher Dayan creating fear on Christopher Dayan. Mm-hmm. I was starting to think of like, what is he talking about? I'm in my mid twenties making like uh, six digits and more. I'm like, it, like I'm going to switch to something. I don't know. I'm like, are people going to want to hear me speak? I don't even have a university degree. I have a, a, a college degree as a fireman, like all these doubts, all these like negative biases were getting asked. I was asking the wrong question. And then after understanding it and understanding, like I said, understanding your gut feeling, remembering how I felt being on stage. And I'm like, Hey, I have to go through that feeling. And that's really what my, the universe is asking me to do. Then I started asking myself the right questions. What do I need to do next? How's the proper time to switch? Is it going to be switched right away? Or is it a process? And that whole process took me about a year to say that I did a proper switch. That was in March, 2017. And it was actually quite quick. I could have done a lot longer, which would have been a lot more intelligent in the form of things. But for me, I'm like, the second that you find your reason of being, it's hard to stay in something else that you don't love. It just, it doesn't taste the same. Once you've mm-hmm. tasted like your real happiness, you're like all for it. So I did that transfer. And not only that, during that transfer, a lot of people thought I was crazy. Like a mm-hmm. lot of my mentors, a lot of people around me, they're like, like I said, in the, the sense of success, what society says success, which is you're a young man, you have a nice car, you have a nice place, you have money, you have this, you have everything that people would perceive as success, but there was something mu- missing for me, which was fulfillment, which is a huge part. Like our friend Tony Robbins says, success without fulfillment is the ultimate failure. Mm-hmm. So at that point, I was failing and I didn't even know it, even though there was a perception of success. Mm-hmm. So once that mindset shifted, then gradually went towards it. And then went into the speaking industry. And same thing, we talked about Relentless. It took me about a year and a half to two years to bring back my financial situation and my career to the point that I was. Because now I'm like, hey, I'm a speaker. What does Christopher speak about? How do I go get speeches? How do I get coaching clients? It's a process. So that's how that shift kind of happened. Right. Yeah, it, it makes sense. Can you talk a little bit about what you were doing to do those things? Like what, I mean, what, what do you do? What do you do to try and get speaking gigs? How did you kind of define what type of coach you were going to be, what, what yeah. you were going to coach on? I mean, I know, especially in the solopreneur space, there are a lot of people who are interested in coaching or already yeah. in coaching or maybe struggling with coaching. So would love to hear uh, what you were doing and, and what you think worked the best for you. So once again, spot on, awesome question over there. And the main thing is the word clarity. Throughout that process, it was asking myself the right questions. To ask yourself the right questions, I was positioning myself in the places that I could be asking the right questions. So I went, signed up at Toastmasters, signed up at CAPS, which is Canadian Association of Professional Speakers. I asked questions of other speakers. I started analyzing the market. I saw what is the best marketplace. I started seeing other industries, what the other industries are doing that I can learn from, such as comedians. How are they commanding a stage? What can I learn from them? Politicians, how do they do their speech? How can that be correlated for me talking to uh, CEOs? How can I approach a CEO? What kind of speaker am I? So that's the whole question part. And that took a while. It really did. And I invested Mm -hmm. a lot of money in coaching and programs to learn that. Then it's How am I going to position myself as a thought leader? How am I going to position myself as a peak performing individual to get 
Fortune 500 CEOs like I have now to go speak at Fortune 500 companies like I speak at and so on and so forth. And that's through leveraging. Now we're talking about leveraging. You start asking yourself, what is my expertise right now? So at that point, I had expertise in real estate and that's something like a leverage, which was called dyslexia, which is a nice story. Coming background, like, you know, a rags to riches kind of story, right? Like, hey, from difficulty to this. So then start leveraging speeches in classrooms, in universities, talking about dyslexia. And then more and more getting my reps in as a speaker, then I'm able to transition that towards being a peak performance speaker. But I still need something to leverage that. So when I go and speak a couple of months ago to PepsiCo, I have something that I had leverage to get to that point. I've spoken in small classrooms. I've spoken for free. I've given free coaching. And then that leads to experience. That leads to understanding. And then that leads to big contracts. So that's the way you kind of look at it. Massive clarity, figure that out. And how do you leverage your existing talents and where do you want to go? And that's all a process to get there. Right. Yeah, it's a great breakdown. And especially for those who, you know, they see the Instagram success and this, that and the other. But one thing I've learned from many, which, you know, from interviewing dozens of solopreneurs, entrepreneurs is, you know, there is no such thing as overnight success. You got to put in the reps. You got to start somewhere that's not going to show up on Instagram. Right. And uh, I mean, I don't like Instagram anyways, but that's a whole other whole other conversation. But uh, you got to start somewhere and build up and, and you put in the reps and, and uh, you start small and, and you make you, you work your way up. Uh, Chris, I, I'd love to talk a little bit more, go, go more in depth on peak performance. Number one, can, can you talk about what, what does that mean? Yeah. And how did you kind of settle on that as one of a few of the kind of main, you know, main expertises that, uh, that you have? So peak performance for me, it's a mix of business strategist and life coach. Now there is sometimes this misconception of life coach, to be quite honest, but there's a lot of value and importance within that. And there is importance to understand as a business strategist, that it's not only about strategy. The first thing you have to look at before strategy is state and story that happens with you as your individuality. So if you want to be an amazing CEO, how are you showing up to your office? How are you taking care of your mind, your body, your spirituality, your family? How are you waking up? So all that aspect makes it that you're a peak performer in every aspect and individuality of your life. That's how people achieve high levels. Mm -hmm. It's not just like, hey, I'm killing it in business. It's not just, hey, I have an amazing family life, but financially every single end of the month, it's extremely tough for me. It's having that performance level at a high level. So to do so, and the way that you develop that, for me, like I said, is through coaching. It's through having somebody that has an external positioning within your life. Because the reality is when you're living your life, you're playing the role of an actor, right? You're living it. But it's tough to see certain things when you're living as an actor. You have to position yourself not only as the actor, but as the director as well. So once you're in a position of director, seeing the play play out, you have a different perspective. And then you're like, oh, wait a minute, I should have done this, should have done that. Now that takes time for you as a person to change that different perception. But if you bring in somebody that comes with experience, their knowledge, and they're sitting in the position of director, it's so much easier for them to be like, hey, Chris, do this. Hey, Josh, do that. And then once they tell you, they're like, why didn't I think of that? It's so simple. Mm -hmm. But when it's in front of you, you don't see it as easy, right? Mm -hmm. So that's the whole aspect of peak performance. It's not only in business. It's in every area of your life, which is extremely correlated. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, number one, I can tell your excitement just the way you kind of talk. You, you know, you've been talking about peak performance and that kind of stuff, which is great. And I, I can. Yeah. I mean, I've done I've done competitive sports, all that kind of stuff. And I feel like running a business, you know, nothing else compares to how important actually the rest of your life can either almost make or break the business. Right. Are you eating healthy? Are you taking care yes. of yourself? How is your family life, uh, et cetera, et cetera. So. Now the term life coach probably gets thrown around way too much, but you know the right people that are doing it properly, that are helping you integrate with business, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, yeah, I, I can't overstate enough uh, how important that is. So what's it been like, Chris? Like, how, how do you how do you break into peak performance? And can you talk a little bit more about what do you find yourself helping people with the most? Or maybe another way to word that question is, what do a lot of entrepreneurs, CEOs struggle with? in the kind of we'll call it like peak performance part of their lives and, and you know what do you what are you typically helping them with I, I love that question because there's a lot of things that i've realized as a coach now coaching men hundreds of people at this point is that the perception of somebody going through something they perceive that they're the only person that's going through it and that's not true at all mm -hmm. and understanding that Thing that's happening within your life and i'm gonna go a bit more concrete i'm kind of talking about vague over here but understanding what you're going through there's a purpose for it then you're able to succeed at high levels so if we're talking about peak performance and one thing that i see at high levels people come to me because they think they need a certain result and i give them that result but i give them also what they need which is a lot of mindset work the reality of the matter is i coach people that have companies that do plumbing CEOs of this company, uh, entrepreneurs, uh, employees, entrepreneurs, real estate brokers, whatever the case is. I don't know their industry as much as they know it. It's physically impossible. I can't tell them do this, do that. I can't know that. What I understand is the human psychology. What I understand is how to utilize the biochemistry of your brain to your advantage. So I teach them how to twist those things, how to change their state and their story. Once those state and stories change, then the strategy is super simple. That's only 20%. Once they're showing up with that proper mindset, that proper energy, everything else sets in flow. So mm -hmm. the main thing that I work out with my clientele is how to place a proper ritual, how to put systems in place within your life and your business that you cannot fail because the systems aren't in place there, how to get the right people around you, understand that it's not only you and it's not only about how to do something, but who can do it for you, build that team around you then you're going to succeed. So it's mostly mind shifts and giving the proper information at the proper moments and understanding how the biochemistry, the brain works so you could use it to your advantage. It's a lot of human psychology, essentially, in some way, shape or form. Right. Absolutely. It, it makes a lot of sense. I mean, I, I worked with a business coach and really what he helped me with the most was just to put me in the position to realize what I have to do with the business. Like you said, nobody's going to know more about their business and industry than the yeah. CEO. You're almost just kind of like, I don't want to say pushing, but like helping them, you know, Got direct it. their own life. Yeah, exactly. So, Chris, I want to definitely talk about uh, routines. You, you yes. mentioned that word and super interesting. Anybody who's, you know, done, you know, read anything about personal development and, and stuff like that is, uh, you know, I'm always curious about the routines. Yes. So can you tell us a little bit about yours? Uh, yes. You know, what, 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 do, what do your weeks look like? Or even as far as specific days look like? 
So I, I love that. I am a habit of rituals and routines as is human beings in general. So what we have to do, and it could be a good routine or a bad routine, but we're habits of it. What we have to do is stand at the guard of the door of our mind and put the proper routines that are going to help us win, which is systemizing it. Mm -hmm. So my routine is every single morning I wake up at 4 a.m. My morning oh, wow. from Monday to Friday is 4 a.m. When I what wake up weekend? Uh, on, on the weekend, I, I don't put a, a timer, but usually because I'm waking up at 4 a.m., if I sleep until six, for me, it's like, oh my God, I got two <laughs> extra hours. So it's huge, right? Yeah. So I still get a lot done in the weekend as well, but you're going to see, I, I go to bed early as well. It's not like I, I'm only sleeping four hours a week. No, no, I get my mm -hmm. eight hours in. I just change my hours of the day and I'm going to explain why mm -hmm. uh, in a psychological way and what's happening in a biochemistry way, why I do that because my brain is so much more performing in the morning and we'll talk about brain waves in a second. So first thing I do, wake up at 4 a.m. After I wake up, I meditate anywhere between 15 and 20 minutes. At that point, we're 4.20. 4.20, come into my home office. I do my affirmations and my uh, visualization. So I look at my vision board. I do my affirmation for the year. I look at my IMs. I have a list of IMs. So what I'm doing is I'm changing my state and my story instantly. Then I sit down. I start my business journal. First thing I write is three things I'm grateful for. Gratitude practice. Three things I'm grateful for. Then I set my intention for the day. I look at all my things that I have to do within the day, all my meetings, all my clients, all my podcast interviews, the, the YouTube content that I'm going to prepare, whatever the case is, I set an intention every single thing. Setting an intention should not be only once a year in the beginning of the year and it's called a New Year's resolution. No. Yeah. High achievers set intentions for every single activity. Setting an intention is what do I want to do within this moment? What do I want out of this? How do I want to show up? Like Joss, I set an intention before even coming on this podcast. I have an intention which is to give great value to your community, connect with Joss and have fun. That was my intention. Well, so far, I'm I feel humbled. like I'm, I'm hitting yeah. it. Yeah, But absolutely. I said it. If I'm not setting it, then it's going to go and you don't know what's happening. By setting it, there's something within your mind called the RAS, which is the reticular activating system. Mm -hmm. The best way I could describe it, it's the filter of your brain. So right now, you're looking at something, you see over like 2 million elements. But unfortunately, your brain doesn't have the capacity to assimilate all that information takes the information that it thinks is pertinent to you and gives you that information. Now, let me give that in a concrete example. Josh, have you ever bought a car before? Yes. Okay. Maybe you shopped for that car. It took you a year. Maybe it was, you're like, oh my God, this is the car you've been looking for a year. Maybe it took a couple of months, a couple of weeks. You check what model, what engine, what color, what like leather inside, whatever the case is. The day you go pick it up, you're super happy about it. You jump in the car, you get out of the parking lot, first red light, you start seeing exactly the same car in a different color. Next slide. Then you go a bit further. You see another one. Then you see another one. You see another one. You're like, what the heck? I never seen this car before. I thought I was going to be the only one driving it. Now I'm seeing it nonstop. That's your reticular activating system. Because for so long, you've been thinking about this car. So your RAS is perceiving that information being important to you. So if I set my intention, let's bring it back to business. If I set my intention, what is my goal when I'm prospecting a client? What is my goal when I'm making this YouTube content? What is my goal when I'm playing the role of the CEO? What is my goal if I'm delegating to my employee, a colleague, whatever? It's going to be so much easier to get it done in a subconscious way. This happens all subconsciously. It doesn't happen consciously most of the time. Mm -hmm. So that's that main thing that I'm doing with Aaron. I'm not even done with my, with my ritual right now. Mm -hmm. So that's at this point, we're about like 440, 450. So then once that's done, my morning, I have my mastermind session. So at this point, I haven't looked at my phone. I'm not on social, none of that. I don't look at any emails. I don't do anything that has to do with my business other than creation. Why? Because there's a couple of brainwaves that are really important within uh, 
certain periods, which is called the alpha and theta. All right. Let me actually shoot you out the, the, the main uh, brain was over here, Josh, as I'm going at a rant here, but I feel like there's some great value. So I'm going to keep on, keep on, on this little I'm track here. So there's a couple of brain waves. The first one is gamma. Gamma is when you have like that aha moment, which is very high in peak. So you have that idea. Then you have the beta. Beta is the, the wave that we're in right now, which is we're in awakened state. Then you go to alpha, which is more of a relaxed state. Maybe you're, you're done work, you're chilling on your couch, reading a book. Then you go to theta. Theta is even more of a relaxed state. Maybe you're meditating. Maybe you're on the beach, you have your eyes closed. You know you're on the beach, but you're kind of going through consciousness and unconsciousness. And then finally, you have delta, which is sleeping completely. Now, like I previously mentioned, your subconscious mind is extremely important. It's about 90 to 95% of everything that happens within your life. But the subconscious mind is controlled by the conscious mind. So you have to look at it as the subconscious mind being the earth and the conscious mind being the gardener planting the seed. Now, the subconscious mind doesn't care what you plant. He will give it to you as much as an abundance. So if you plant a beautiful apple tree, he'll give you apples. If you plant a poisonous tree, he's going to give you poison. doesn't care. So that's what the setting intention is. So for me, the best thing is understanding that the alpha and theta state, which is the states that you are in when you just woke up or you're going to bed, is a direct correlation to your subconscious mind. So I have super great access to set the proper information at that point. That's why some people listen to affirmations when they go to bed because they're in those states. So it gets registered in your processor, in your brain processor so much easier. Mm -hmm. So when I know that my brain is at a high level of vibration of alpha and theta, that's the moment that I'm the most creative. That's the moment that I work the best. That's the moment that I am the most efficient. So I'm doing everything that has to work with creation towards content, towards what is my next idea, towards my book, things that demand that. Then at that point, I'm doing it until I have to go to the gym, which is about 5.45, go to the gym, CrossFit from six to seven, come back home, do a 15 minute yoga session, shower, get ready, 8.30, I'm in front of the computer doing my work, pending what day it is. I separate my days accordingly as well. Mondays, Tuesdays, I'm filled with coaching clients. Wednesday morning, I'm creating content. I'm filming my YouTube videos. Wednesday afternoon, I'm doing my uh, group coaching sessions. Thursdays, usually uh, writing book contents, meetings, stuff like that. And Friday as well, meeting and whatever else has to play as a role as CEO. So that's how my whole ritual happens. And one last thing, let me just finish off. If I'm waking up at 4 a.m., I'm usually going to bed around 8, 8.30, and the night routine comes into play as well. Right, and, and that was one of my next questions. I'd love to hear about the night routine as well. And I just want to point out, I mean, it, it makes a lot of sense that when you hear somebody with a routine like that, especially in the morning, like the first thing that pops into my mind is, it's no surprise that this person is successful because even, you know, before 7 a.m. hits, you've probably done more than most people do in a day. So how could the rest of your day not go pretty well? You know, or, or what a lot of the personal development people say is even if the rest of the day goes terribly, you, you won the morning, right? So you're, you're setting yourself up for success. But Chris, I can't let you go without asking about the night routine, especially yeah. because... I mean, what do you do if you have an evening event that goes from, you know, seven till nine, you know, so, so I'm curious about number one, what is the routine and is it hard to keep it with such an early bedtime? Obviously now it's COVID, we don't have as many events at night or events at all, but you know, usually speaking. I, I love that. I love that because that's usually the second question. After people understand it, they wake up at 4 a.m. They're like, uh, what time do you go to bed? They think that I don't sleep. No, no, you need sleep, right? There's a mm -hmm. process that happens within your brain of everything while you're sleeping, right? So my night routine, let's start off with that. I go to bed around 8, 8.30 and this fluctuates. In the winter, 
I sleep earlier in the summer. I sleep later. It goes with the circadian rhythm. It goes with the sun, right? It goes mm -hmm. with your serotonin levels and your melatonin levels that come get secreted with the level of sun and darkness. So during the summer, uh, during uh, uh, winter, go to bed around, like I said, 80 at 30. Now my ritual, one hour before going to bed, no electronics. So I turn off TV. I turn off phone. None of that I have, I have access to. So last 30 minutes before going to bed, 30 minutes to an hour, I'm either reading a book and the book that I'm reading is not a cognitive book because in the morning I read my book as well, more cognitive. So I have different, I could talk about book and my strategy within books as well. I read about a book a week, not about actually, I read like last year I read 52 books, so a book a week. I have a strategy with that as well. So at night it's more less cognitive, but more pleasurable. Then I do my meditation 15, 20 minutes and then I'm going to bed. And at that point, like I said, I'm, I'm in bed around 8, 8.30. So that's how my night routine comes about. It's less packed, but it's enough for me to unwind. It's mm -hmm. impossible for me to do a business call, to do something and then right away go to bed. No, yeah. your energy is not inducive to go to bed. Another thing that I do a little uh, trick over here, my phone is not in my bedroom. I never sleep with the phone in the bedroom. It's not my alarm clock. If somebody tells me, oh, it's my alarm clock, bro, go buy an alarm clock on Amazon, $5. Even better than that, buy a sunrising alarm clock. That's $20, okay? Sunrising alarm clock, the reason why I like that, like I said, I wake up at 4 a.m. I never wake up with the sun even in the summer, I'm before the sun. So I still want understanding the biochemistry of the, of the brain and the body to activate certain things that come naturally. When that sun rising alarm clock starts off, so gradually there's a light that comes out, my level of serotonin goes up because mm -hmm. the light hits my eyes, tells my brain, hey, it's getting morning, level of serotonin goes up, level of melatonin goes down, which melatonin makes you go to sleep. So that's the process of that. Now, when it comes to the other part, you're like, hey, what do you do if there's activities? Uh, you know, you, I probably network, which I do a lot. What do you do with that? It's understanding that we're not robots. It's not, oh my God, if I'm not at bed at eight o'clock, I'm, I'm dead. It's mm -hmm. guidelines. If I'm hitting this 80% of the time, I'm winning. There's mm -hmm. that 10% of the time, 80%, not 80, 20% of the time, whatever. If you're going to go out to an event, that's cool. You just accept it. You're like, all right, cool. I'm going to go out to an event. I'm going to be a bit later. And then you do what you can do within your ritual when you come home or next morning or so on and so forth. So it's not positioning yourself like, oh my God, I didn't do it. I'm not good. No, it's about the consistency. It's consistency that wins it. Mm -hmm. Having guidelines, respecting your guidelines as much, but not being afraid to get out of the guidelines if need be as well. Right. So more specifically, if you, let's say you're, you don't get home till 930 you know, yeah. networking event, whatever. Yeah. Do you cut time from your evening routine or do you wake up a little bit later or, or do you just bite the bullet okay. and, and cut an hour from your sleep schedule? Okay. So, uh, once again, spot on, it really depends upon what my schedule is the next day. It depends on what I need to do. Is it something that's very cognitive? Is it less cognitive? How can I uh, do it? Can I do that with only six hours of sleep? Sometimes I can't. Have I already done that throughout the week? So is it going to be my second six hours? You have to know who you are. For me, if I do two days in a row with only six hours of sleep, forget it. My productivity, my it's, it's not, it's not going to be there. My mm -hmm. creativity is not going to be there. So what you have to understand is that there is uh, like a little limit and there are certain things that I, I like, I don't like accept missing it, which for me, the main thing I don't accept missing it is the meditating and the working out. So imagine I go to bed, even imagine like I, I go to bed at midnight instead of waking up at 4am, I'm going to wake up at 5 out of, out of the house, working out, come back, do a little session of meditation just to set myself up and then jump in the shower. So right. my morning routine got significantly cut. 
but that's okay. I missed one day, two days. What does it matter? As long as you bring it back to the moments you are, we're not even talking about the moments that have these activities that like, oh, it's going to ruin everything. No, it's about the moments that you can do it and you're not doing it. That's the questions that you should be asking. So that's the way I kind of look at it. You have different types of morning routines pending with the availability of your time. Absolutely. I mean, listen, if, if you can't figure out how to adjust something like that, you know, navigating the business world is going to be going to be real tough, right? Spot so that, on. That, that makes a, a lot of sense. Uh, Chris, just a couple last questions. Number one, I have to ask about books. Uh, I, I read a lot of them as well. I don't read a book a week, but I read a pretty good amount of books. You mentioned you had some tips and, and strategies. I, I'm you know, very happy to hear any of those. Okay, awesome. And, so and my maybe tip also if we can add one or two, maybe like one or two top books that you would okay. recommend to solopreneurs. Cool. So first and foremost, tips and strategies. When it comes to if you want to read books, like a lot more. In 2018, I had the goal, sorry, 19, I had the goal to read 24 books in a year and I only read uh, 18. Now I'm saying only, that's still significant, especially being dyslexic, I was happy, but I'm like, I did something wrong. What I realized at that point is that I was picking up a book and I was reading it cover to cover. And then I noticed, because I was tracking everything, that certain books, when I started, I read through it fast, certain books took more time because they're just more cognitive, they're more thick, whatever the case is. I understood that reading with your mood is extremely important. So now in 2020, I decided to read not only one book at a time, but several books at the same time. And there are several distinctive categories. So there's a couple of main categories. First and foremost category that I always have to be reading is something within my industry that I know very well, that I'm continually educating myself. So peak performance, speaking, so on and so forth, that I have already very good knowledge on. So when I read it, it's not something that's very cognitively demanding because I've already put in the reps within that. The second thing, something that I want to learn more about that I don't know as much, that's more cognitive. When I read that, I'm reading it almost kind of like you're in school, taking down notes and so on and so forth. Mm -hmm. The third category is more leisure. You're reading something like, it could be novel, like Harry Potter is a huge fan of that. It could be autobiographies, huge fun of autobiographies, go listen to so many like entrepreneur autobiographies, you learn so many things, but that's more like background. You can listen to audio and all that stuff. Now, if I have three categories minimum that I'm reading, I'm not reading because I have to read. I'm reading with my feelings. So if there's a day that... I just don't feel like reading something cognitive. I have my other option. Right. But if you're only sticking to one book, then it feels like work. It feels like you're forcing yourself. So understand to have different categories and go towards that. Now, the second part, Josh, to that question. I love that question. At the same time, I hate that question. The question that you asked, yeah. <laughs> what is your favorite book? Now, I'm going to explain why. Top, top two or three, if, if it top makes it any easier. Okay, cool. So I'm going to explain why I hate that question, first and foremost. Because that question perceives that there's one or two books that people should read and to get all the answers. That's not, that's not the proper answer, that's false. Mm -hmm. What I want to convey over here, I want your listeners to get the mindset of, I'm not reading a book, but I am a reader. Once a book is finished, you pick up another one. So that's the mindset that you have to have approaching books because it's the vast collection of books that you read the vast understanding from different authors that is going to give you that competitive edge. It's not one book. Now, that being said, like I said, I am an avid reader on my YouTube channel. I actually do book reviews. So I have a bunch of book reviews that I've done. You guys can go check that out as well. Uh, but if I'm going to go with some top books, first and foremost, I ask my clients, hey, what are you exactly looking for? If they're like lost, I tell them a book. If they want business, I tell them about business, money, whatever the case is. But top books, let's name some things that you guys have already read and some that you probably haven't heard as much. Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill. That's probably on top of the list of a lot of people. 
We're talking about uh, Rich Dad, Poor Dad by Robert Kiyosaki. These are books that you guys have heard of and they have absolute value to be there. If we're talking about some books to really make you thinking a bit more is As a Man Thinketh by uh, Viktor Frankl, a book about a psychologist in Second World War that went through Auschwitz. If that book doesn't make you think, I don't know what will. Really pick that up. Another author that I am a huge fan of is probably you guys have heard of him is uh, Dr. Joe Dispenza. I've read You Are the Placebo, Understanding How the Biochemistry of the Brain Works hmm. and How to Use It to Your Advantage. Another author that I'm fine of is uh, Robert Greene. You guys probably know him for his very famous books of The 48 Powers of Law. I just read his uh, most recent book, uh, uh, The Law of Human Nature, Understanding How Humanity Works, How People Work. So those are a couple of them. I mean, yeah, I could name until tomorrow morning, honestly. Books, but yeah, <laughs> no, that's, that's, that's great. Yeah. And, and the reason I ask is because I like to uh, hear some titles I haven't read so I can go yeah. pick them up. Um, and I actually realized, Chris, as you were talking, that I kind of unintentionally started doing probably probably about six to eight months ago, started doing what you described as kind of reading with your mood. I personally read uh, Business in the Morning and I read nonfiction at night. I actually love, like, my uh, my bookshelf behind me is actually, upper half is mostly, like, fantasy, fantasy okay. fiction. And then the bottom half, which you can't really see, is more of the nonfiction business, okay. uh, which I read in the morning. My, my brain's kind of going. I, I want to learn. At night, I, uh, I'm a sucker for fantasy. I just love, you know, the Lord of the Rings, the Harry Potters of the world there and stuff go. like that. And it calms me down and... and leads to a good sleep. So love it, Chris. This has been really great. I have one last question, which is for someone out there, they're working a nine to five. They're not so happy. They, they want to start or, or grow their own business. Maybe they have pulled the trigger. Maybe they're moonlighting. What are kind of one or two of the most common difficulties you see entrepreneurs maybe in those situations facing? And what would you recommend they do, right? A solopreneur comes up to you, hey, Chris, I'm feeling stuck. I'm feeling lost. What are one or two or three things uh, you would recommend they do? Awesome question. Get your mind right. What I mean by that is if you're in a particular area right now that you're unhappy, you're feeling unhappy, you're probably hanging around people that have the same mindset as you. So if you're around that, that circle, change your circle. Now, what I mean by change your circle, it's as simple as listening to the proper content, listening to proper podcasts, get your mind right. As your mind gets right, the solutions and the answers will present themselves to you. So always stand guard at the door of your mind and let the proper information come into, come into play. Especially now with this global pandemic, especially now with everything that's going around the world, if you allow yourself to consume the information in a conscious or subconscious way without you understanding what you're consuming, you are in danger, my friend. So if, if somebody's walking into like, hey, I'm not happy and all that stuff, ask yourself, what are you consuming? Once you ask yourself what are you consuming, you're going to see why you're unhappy. If you ask yourself the wrong questions, just like I did in the beginning when my coach told me, hey, be a speaker, and then I started going down this negative rabbit hole, it brings you a different energy. If you change those to a positive question, then you're looking towards a solution. Okay, now I'm at a job that I don't necessarily like. What can I do to find something I like? One, what can I do to like the job that I'm doing right now? Because there's guaranteed things that you could do that you're liking about the job you have. Then you look at what can I continue doing within the job that I am in right now that's going to help me for my next career. So then you're approaching your job, not as in like I have to get rid of it. You're still trying to get the most information from that job because then you know you're going to be an entrepreneur. And then it's who do I need? Very important. It's not how, it's who. 
Who do I need mm. to connect with? Who do I need to employ that's going to get me that? Because a lot of entrepreneurs, especially you kind of mentioned it's solopreneur, the whole name of your podcast, which is beautiful and I love it. But at certain points, you have to understand the delegating aspect behind it. Don't try to do everything by yourself. Mm -hmm. It's tough. Figure out who do you need within your team. So that's the way I would essentially add to that. And hopefully it guides your listeners to the proper direction within that. No, it's 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 great, Chris. And, and everything you've spoken about uh, on this episode has been really, really great. Uh, once again, I really appreciate you taking time to share your story and your lessons and suggestions with our viewers and, and listeners. If people want to learn more about you, maybe they want to consume some of that content or get in touch, where do you recommend that they go to find you? Yeah, thank you, Josh, for that. I mean, the best place to really get the nibbits and like the really depth of my knowledge would be my YouTube channel. So go on YouTube slash Christopher Dedian. Uh, Dedian is D-E-D-Y-N, like Josh said, I, everything will be linked down below. Mm -hmm. Anything else on my social media at Christopher Dedian. So from Instagram, I do a lot of stuff, LinkedIn, uh, Twitter, whatever the case is. So that's the best way to connect with me. And then from there, if you guys have any questions, you guys could go to my website, which is ChristopherDedian.com. Uh, if you wanna set up a free discovery call uh, with me and my team to see how we could collaborate together and get you to that next level and really live your greatness and your purpose and go to the next level in your life and finance and so on and so forth. Just go ahead. There's a couple of questions that you could sign up and you guys have uh, access to my, uh, uh, to my calendar and we could uh, set up something to help you guys up to go to the next level. Awesome. This has been great. And uh, like Chris said, we're going to link to all those in the description. So whether you're listening to this on a podcast, watching it on YouTube, you'll find the links to all of those in the description below. Chris, thanks again for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. My pleasure, Josh. Had a blast. Hey guys, thanks so much for listening to the episode. I hope you got a ton of value out of it. If you want to join the Solopreneur Grind community, we recently started a Slack group for other like-minded solopreneurs who are starting or thinking about starting or are already well on their way to working on their own businesses. That doesn't matter the size. Make sure to check us out at solopreneurgrind.com join if you want to join this group. We're constantly sharing ideas, bouncing ideas off of one another, helping each other out in all areas of business and life and all that sort of stuff. Make sure to check it out, solopreneurgrind.com join, solopreneurgrind.com join. Take care and thanks very much for listening.